0: and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Session. Show. To Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on, today, episodes on our today, website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via w- your w- favorite w- network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day, take care.
1: A little bit closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. As I broadcast to you today coming from my purple couch, In a living with my sumptuous Las Vegas apartment, known to some as the hottest city in America. What we're going to be discussing today is one of a series that we're doing this autumn of turning your website into a revenue-generating machine. Now, what really intrigues me about what our guest today has to share is getting into some of the secret dirty areas of website conversions and website revenue generation and also how we integrate artificial intelligence into our design and our conversion rate optimization. So this is going to be pretty interesting. I I get approached by these topics all the time I can't accommodate them all, and I look for something that's going to be unique and give you as the listener an edge that a lot of your competition is not even speaking about. So this is another in a series where we're going to dive into that. His name is Art is Arsh Samrawala. Let me just tell you a little about about him. He is the founder and CEO of ThrillX, which helps businesses succeed through human-centered design solutions. X focuses on building websites based on qualitative data through surveys, user testing, user recording, customer interviews, quantitative research, through heat maps, scroll maps, A-B testing, and ultimately leveraging human psychology and behavioral science. Now, candidly, I remember a lot of this stuff from 10 years ago, but it has evolved considerably. So I, like you, am looking forward to finding out what is current, trending, and exciting about this. Not only am I the host, I'm going to be a student in the front row taking notes along with you. So, Arsh, come on in. The weather's fine.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Adam, for having me. Very excited.
1: You bet. Now, I just read off your official bio, and <laughs> some of that is so intriguing and impressing. I'm not even sure I'm worthy to be here in your presence, and this is my show. <laughs> so, before we get into some of this stuff, and what I really like about is is we're going to have a chance to geek out a little bit. I, I love that part. I don't get to do that often enough. We'd like to pull back the curtain, and I'm asking you if you could tell us in your own words a little something about your journey that's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion.
2: Yeah, no, hundred percent. So, as you said, I'm the founder at Thrillex. We are a UX/UI design uh, and conversion optimization agency. So, you know, we'll do everything from not only websites but also mobile apps. Uh, dashboards, really anything digital, uh, and helping companies from that strategy to the design uh, to the development phase. So my introduction into this industry, uh, my background was originally in business and marketing. I pivoted my career into UX UI design, um, worked at several large companies, including uh, doing some design work for some Fortune 500 slash 1000 firms. And uh, Adam, I realized that even these big companies don't make decisions based on data. Uh, surprisingly, they like to throw things at the wall, and a lot of things are based on guesswork. Um, so from day one, our core mission has always been data-driven design and leveraging analytics for you know every decision, no matter what digital experience we're ultimately building.
1: Okay, for one of my websites, I use the all-in-one SEO plugin. And I got to tell you that what, it was one of the proudest moments of my life. I got an AIO I got an AIO SEO score of 100 out of 100.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: I Like I was like, wow. <laughs> now I understand where a lot of that comes from. It has to do with sentence length. Uh, use of use of transitional words is actually a really big one. And what I've found through years of experimentation is that sometimes. Changing the title can add or subtract 10 or more points from the AIO SEO score. So they think that's an interesting segue to begin with because you mentioned having a data-centered approach and how so few companies did that. So I'm, that just reminded me of this micro example of something that just happened for me where particularly when it comes to content creation, sometimes you see people that get so fixated on exact wording of language for something that they're looking to have read by machines that they will actually fight you and say, Oh, I don't care if it has an AIO SEO score of 40. That's the title I want because that's the thing that's going to change my business. No, it's not. Not if nobody sees it. (laughs) I mean, I, I mean, I, uh, I usually am not satisfied with an AIO SEO score of under 90, Oh, uh, I thought it was quite an accomplishment to get to a hundred because that's really hard. I've had a few of them over the years where it said it was a hundred. Then I click publish and all of a sudden it dropped down to eighty three.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. and and definitely, like just for context as well, we we do offer SEO services, but that's um you know a secondary aspect of our business. First and right. foremost, it's definitely on the conversion uh, optimization side. So you know, we always use the leaky bucket syndrome, right? You get all this traffic to your website. And if you're investing in an unoptimized website through SEO, through Facebook ads, through whatever channel, um, and it's, you know, not optimized for conversions, it's like putting water into a leaky bucket. So we make sure that the fundamentals are solid first, and that always starts with the existing traffic coming to the website, right? So one of the tools that we use is Hotjar uh, or Microsoft Clarity. They both have free plans. And- Uh, We talked about Crazy Egg as well, right? This idea of heat maps, recordings, click maps, um, and also combining that with qualitative data. uh, There's a tool called UserBrain where you can run remote tests on your website, right? As low as $40 a tester. So I could have you go on my website and ask you a series of questions like, what's your first impression just by landing on the site? now I want you to scroll. You can click anywhere. Uh, I'll get you to go through a series of tasks and basically see how you navigate on the site qualitatively. Right. So it's a mixture of those two things that we really focus on. Um, and then SEO and all of these, you know, SEO plugins and AI tools, hundred percent agree. People get so fixated on, you know, the metrics, but, um, fundamentals are very important to get first and make sure your site is actually optimized to convert that traffic.
1: Yeah, I've been saying for years that the last thing you need or want in your business is traffic to your website. In fact, if you are getting it, you should probably get rid of it.
2: <laughs> exactly. Now,
1: you now, now see, you chuckled knowingly. I have said that on stage. I've said that on webinars. I've said that on podcasts. And have had people ask me, if I have an off-the-rack tinfoil hat or if I had one custom tailored. Right. What I mean by that is traffic to your website, what does traffic mean? Traffic is the reason I work from a home office to avoid traffic. And what is a website? I mean, that could be, uh, that could be a branding site, a sales letter, a scheduler, a, a discussion forum. All those things and so much more can be websites, and mm-hmm. a website can consist of one more, all of those things. So, what I encourage people to do is to focus on visitors to their web pages, visitors to their web pages who are in alignment with the three P's of website conversions pre qualified, prepped, and pumped. So, essentially, what I'm doing is I'm renaming the concept for added clarity.
2: Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and yeah, when it comes to the, the question of when you have too much traffic, I mean, you can never have too much traffic, it's always a matter of quality of traffic coming to your site, then you would go into that conversion optimization phase, which is what we do for a lot of our clients where, you know, we're creating custom landing pages, and we're doing A-B testing, right, where our, our, some of our customers are getting uh, 150 to 200k visitors every single month. Um, So there's so much data to work with that it really makes it exciting. Um, But, you know, we also get a lot of uh, customers and business owners that are not leveraging data in the first place. Right. Um, With all the tools available these days, it's, it's very low hanging fruit to just watch a few recordings, see how far people are scrolling on your website um, and and really make decisions uh, on that.
1: Right. Right. I, I I certainly agree with that. And, you know, you mentioned that you have folks who don't base their website decisions on data. I can give you a really extreme example, and I would just like to share this with you so you can react to it. Years and years and years ago, I used to be in the web development business up until about the year 2011. So one of our later clients, before they even came to work with us, went through some branding agency and they did all the things with getting the logo design and the color swatch and all that, that happy, cheerful stuff. And they come to us saying, well, we already have we we have our logo, we have our colors, we have our concept and all that. And I'm thinking, oh, cool, this will be a relatively easy one. So we build the thing out and then the client tells us that we're using the wrong shade of blue because the the branding was based on a particular shade of blue on a particular hex code now i knew we had it right they yeah. insisted we didn't and uh my way of attempting to explain that was i opened up camtasia which is another one of those funky tools and filmed the video where i on the video i pulled out the site's css sheet through the view source and then i also just to duplicate logged into their wordpress admin Went to the theme editor section, pulled the CSS, and showed where the hex code for that color was, demonstrating it was the exact hex code they gave us. Furthermore, I opened up Photoshop and sampled several items on their website that were blue and showed using the eyedropper tool that they were all using that blue hex code. It came up accurate every time. Mm -hmm. didn't. client didn't believe me. In fact, they. In fact, you know what they did? They went and hired another firm to consult with it. And this client had the nerve to say to me, um, "They're going to teach you how to do website design and how to understand branding." Oh wow! <laughs> okay, so this, so this other consulting firm uh, filmed substantially the same video that I did, and they concluded that my firm had done our work correctly. Right. And so then this cues the client ranting, uh, saying, oh, I can't launch my website because there are no designers out there. They're all incompetent. They don't understand branding. They don't give a shit about my colors. Uh, <laughs> I mean, is there anybody out there who actually wants to design websites for a living?
2: Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, knew, I knew this client's business partner. Right. And so I finally reached out to the business partner And, uh, I mentioned one of the recommendations I made when I filmed my video about the subject. And I said, Hey, next time your partner is out of the office and you're in there, could you by chance without telling them you're doing so go to their monitor and change the settings as follows.
2: (laughs) Oh, so it was a monitor thing, right? Got it. Yeah.
1: So, uh, (laughs) So this uh so, this, so, so the client's business partner who was tired of hearing about the issue also was more than happy to help so he wouldn't have to listen to this client yapping anymore. <laughs> uh and uh and so uh the business partner said, Okay, well, it actually happened the next day. He said, All right, so uh so your client wasn't here. I went into their office, I changed the monitor settings as you said. Do you need anything else for me? And I said, No, just hold your beer and watch this. My client emails and says, that's uh, so nice of you to finally fix my website and get the colors right. Now we can launch. <laughs> I would have liked to have done it months earlier, but you uh, but you held it up. And yeah. at, this point, at this point, I was already kind of jaded. And this is actually leads to my question. Um, I was kind of jaded on the whole thing. And I couldn't believe I had the testicular fortitude because I didn't think I'd come that far <laughs> in life. I just typed... Whatever, you paid me up front.
2: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't say I've ever uh, experienced that one before. (laughs) Yeah, so
1: so the question that derives from that is why do so many website owners, website developers, et cetera, Mm -hmm. base their decisions on website design on something as silly as that rather than using data?
2: Yeah, I think it's because you have to put it in the context of whose shoes are they trying to put themselves in, right? Typically, these business owners are putting themselves in the shoes of themselves, basically, right? Like, in other words, uh-huh. your your customer was focused on what he wants on the website, right? What he thinks looks good, um, what he thinks would work, what he thinks his customers or users coming onto the website would actually like. And- that's why we always put the focus on the qualitative feedback using that tool called UserBrain, where on a call with a client, we can say all of these things that, you know, need to be improved on the website. But the moment that we share that link with them of somebody walking through their website and telling them that, you know, my first impressions are XYZ. Um, I would improve this, I would improve that. That is when it really resonates with them the most right? Because it's getting that extra validation from people that are actually going to be using the end product. And with user brain, you can set up screening questions as well. So keep in mind that we're not just testing the our client's website with any user, it's specifically their users that we're vetting for, right? People that would actually use um, their site and interact with their site. So I think that is fundamentally why... Business owners, business owners get so fixated on the minor things and also the things that they think are good right but we always try to shift it to a user centric perspective
1: yeah i yeah another example i have is uh you've have been obviously doing this for a long time so you remember back in the days before uh back when flash was still a thing and one of the rages one particular summer was for folks to film videos of themselves speaking and have the videos hop through their sales letter and drag the user along. Do you remember those?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. My, yeah. My friend Charlie McDermott was actually uh, instrumental in that. Uh, he had a product called Standout Video that did just that. So, uh, a client of mine who's also a client of Charlie's uh, filmed some of those videos and did the whole take a journey with me as I leap through my sales letter. And so we installed them on the client sales letter. Now, this is also back in the days when there were still people who thought that Internet Explorer 6 was a real browser. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> uh, and so uh, on, in Internet Explorer 6, you had the client uh, who was supposed to be, like his little video, it, it was supposed to have him land directly on the order buttons as he worked his way through his sales letter. And in Internet Explorer 6 on a couple of the buttons, his foot was two millimeters away from the button, <laughs> and Dag Nabbit, we just could not get that lined up, and yeah. he wouldn't, and he wouldn't let the whole thing go live until we could resolve that. And finally, I said to him, uh, I, I said this, I said, look here, here, here's what you need to know: Internet Explorer 6 is on its way out. Microsoft doesn't even support this anymore. I don't know why you use it. Uh, it's actually been rated as one of the 20 worst softwares of all time. Uh, we're at Internet Explorer 8 now to, you know, the date when this conversation happened. Right. So we're going to hold this up because your foot's a millimeter away on one of the buttons on your sales letter. So what I need you to do is to give me a list of everybody who said they would buy this with a commitment as strong as they've already given you the credit card to process, that Mm don't let you do it as soon as your foot lands exactly on that button in Internet Explorer 6. Right. (laughs) And uh, that that client has said uh, many times over the years that uh, hearing that from me uh, was very aggravating and frustrating to him. First of all, because he thought that it was uh, really – an arrogant, disrespectful thing for me to say, but also because you knew I was right.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that sounds familiar. <laughs>
1: yeah, you, you know, you know, toward, you know, toward the end of the whole Internet Explorer six consideration, this is why I'm so grateful that mobile design came into the way because that's what finally killed it. From what I see, is right. that, uh, is that, uh, and this was by the time WordPress became an actual system for managing an entire website not just a blog and it became a lot more robust and plugins that actually do cool stuff you know how toward the end we were dealing with internet explorer 6 uh, compatibility by Mm -hmm. installing a plugin if somebody tried to access the the internet through internet the website through internet explorer 6 it would say this website does not support internet explorer 6 grow up and get a real browser (laughs) right now uh now, this particular plugin allowed me to customize the message, and for a couple of the clients, I actually had it say basically just that: "This website does not support Internet Explorer six. Can you please get a real browser? This is the twenty first century." <laughs> with others, it was more circumspect, and then there are a couple that uh, you know wanted to thought that uh, we we're going to spend time with them agonizing over millimeters and CSS, and I said, "Do you?" Did your Internet Explorer, six cap- Internet Explorer 6 capability? Tells them to upgrade and get a real browser. Nobody yeah. Yeah, nobody really objected. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I love sharing some of these war stories, even though I'm not in that industry anymore. And I bring some of these up just because I know we're almost halfway through this, just because I want to lay the foundation for what not to do and what not to think.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can, you know, it's very easy to get hung up in the technical side of things as well, right? Like my background is not um, in web development, it's more so on the design side of things. So I've always looked at things from a different lens, but completely agree that you have to kind of balance those two things as well, whenever you do um, any project, right? So it's always putting it in in that mindset as well. Like things like loading speed, things like SEO, um, there's so many different things to, to think about. So yeah that's why data really helps in providing clarity, right? Like you can ultimately think that X technical solution is, you know, not ideal, but you actually have to look at your Google analytics and see how many users are on this browser. What's a conversion on that browser. um, All of these different things. It it kind of helps you get clarity.
1: Right. Right. Now, Mike, approach to some of this stuff has changed over the years because one of the things that really frustrated me about being in the web design business is 99% of, pro- of the project would go very smoothly, but then uh, the feature creep would almost double over some stupid 1% thing that really only the client seemed to care about. Uh, mm-hmm. A more recent example, and this is from maybe about three years ago, is one of our clients had this, I guess the best way you could describe it was some kind of ticker plug-in and it wasn't even a plugin it was uh like a it was like a javascript using an iframe embedded into a widget on the home page of their website that pulled links to articles from one of their blog categories now mm-hmm. it was taking the front page of their website in some cases over a minute to load yeah Now, I I know how to do load speed tests, particularly with WordPress, where it shows performance of plugins and which ones cause the drag when it comes to load. I ran this thing 10 times, and 10 times out of 10, it showed that over 90% of the load time was being taken up by this little ticker. So, what did I do?
2: You got rid of the ticker?
1: Deleted the the ticker. Uh, Now... This, uh, this was actually one of their editors who insisted that the ticker be there and tried to make the argument that the entire brand falls apart with this little ticker. And I, I just wrote back and said, um, I said, 15 load tests showed that this ticker was taking almost a minute to load and was destroying our search engine optimization and search engine marketing. The ticker mm-hmm. is gone. If you have yeah. an issue with this, take it up with our client. Mm -hmm. so that i mean i just it comes to a point where you just start to stop debating this and i also had a, a client where uh back in the day they had 30 different websites and just out of their artistic needs there were all these little customizations and they're the type of things that when you have to do upgrades and things like that that tend to either get wiped out or disappeared uh now then what happened is they were using Generation 1 of Optimized Press. And Mm -hmm. for those of you who remember, uh, toward the end of Generation 1, it was getting afflicted by the bedoink virus that affected people accessing it on mobile devices. And Mm -hmm. uh, this was getting to the point where my clients uh, basically could not even have a conversation with a prospect because every time they had a conversation with their prospect, prospect will look up the website on the phone and they will get redirected to look at interracial porn <laughs> this this was written this was written up in journals this is a really big deal uh oh, wow. so yeah so i said to the, i said to this client one day uh you know what uh give me a week and i'll need about a thousand dollars give or take but i can give you the final number you can trust me to be generous here I can make all your problems go away. You, all you have to do is not ask any questions. And at this point, he was happy to have that happen. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, between myself and my um, assistant at the time, we just simply rebuilt all the websites using different themes. And then uh, all I did was hand it back to the client and say, okay, it's done. Don't have to worry about that virus anymore. Everything's up to date. Some of these have even been, been reworked, as you can see. I didn't mm-hmm. mention anything about all those little customizations he had required and he never asked right so the other point i want to make is some of these things that i think people give too much focus to are spur the moment inspirations that in some cases developers care about more than the client does yeah so now what i want to do is i want to get into what actually will improve your website conversion rates so Mm -hmm. for example you've shared a couple things in the in the green room like i know you can take a client uh and have improved their conversion rates uh, to you know six percent to eight percent which is pretty good and whereas the average website as we know is usually about one to two percent so what are some of the things and some of the elements that you consider and implement when you increase conversion rates?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So I think first and foremost, it's um, understanding the actual mindset of how users interact on a website, right? Let's just take an e-commerce website, for example, right? The goal is ultimately making a purchase of a product, but that is the bigger decision. Before that point, there's all of these mini micro decisions that go on in the mind of a user, right? So for example, um, the question would be, what if I don't like the product? Can I return it? Uh, What if I have an issue with the product? What is the customer support policy? Um, What is the shipping uh, policy of the product, right? And these are all common examples that anyone experiences on an e-commerce site. But again, it's these micro decisions that people make. And your goal is to try and get to that next micro decision, right? You're checking off the boxes for each, a uh, decision to get to that ultimate um, purchase uh, item and purchase action. So typically we like to think of um there's there's an anatomy of a high converting website, right? And there's certain principles of high converting websites that we do in every build. So the first thing would be messaging, right? This is a thing that a lot of people get wrong, which is as soon as I land on your website, I need to know three things, right? who you are, what you do, and the part that people miss the most is what's in it for me, Uh right? What's the tangible benefit that I gain as a user from consuming your product or uh, your service, right? If it's a B2B company, do you save me time? Do you save me money with your solution? Um, And if it's a e-commerce firm, how do you benefit my day-to-day life, right? less pain, better sleep, less anxiety, giving those examples because we've worked with some uh, CBD clients recently. Um, but yeah, making messaging crystal clear throughout the site. Uh, the second principle of any high converting site is social proof above the fold. So above the fold means as soon as I land on the website, do you build immediate trust and credibility, right? We often see a lot of clients' websites where their testimonials are all the way down towards the bottom of the page where we know statistically most people are not going to reach, right? Looking at scroll maps, looking at heat maps, et cetera. Um, so if you look at any high converting website, right? Slack.com, As soon as you get to the top of their site, it says trusted by, and then they have all of the logos of companies they've worked with. Uh, another example is Mint uh, with Intuit, right? They have like a testimonial at the top and they also have um, number one most downloaded personal finance app. And uh-huh. they also have CY Mint is trusted by over 30 million users, right? As soon as I land on the website. So there is no reason for me to continue scrolling down. It's already giving me a compelling reason um, to ultimately convert. And then the last thing which uh is controversial, but um visual design is also a very important aspect. Uh okay. A lot of people will say like, oh, pretty websites um, or sorry, ugly websites can still convert, but there is something called the aesthetic usability effect, which is that if something looks better, it's also perceived to work better as well, right? So things like enough spacing, white space, um, you know, readability, proper color contrast, visual hierarchy, which is where do my eyes direct to first when I'm reading content? Those are all crucial um from a conversion standpoint as well so all of these elements combined go hand in hand
1: it's funny you bring up that last thing we had a client way back in the day where they actually wanted to split test a sexy website versus an ugly website the ugly one won right now they had now this is a client that actually used scientific data uh, they used Crazy Egg and analytics and several other tools to measure some of this stuff and they were able to quantitatively say based on the audience they were seeking to attract what that audience resonated with, was comfortable with and what they expected that the so-called ugly design was the one who would convert better. Now, at the same time, let's also define ugly. Uh, yeah, it wasn't exactly. actually ugly. It just wasn't sexy.
0: Exactly. But this is,
1: an, this is an audience that wanted that more straightforward quote-unquote plain approach and yeah. ugly didn't mean it was sloppy either it was actually very clean very organized and had digital literacy very much in mind
2: mm-hmm. very good point yeah that that's a clear distinction uh i wanted to make as well which is that yeah when i say visual design it's more so you know for example, color contrast, if you have uh, like black text on a black button, that's, you know, that's just. Yeah, I can't, I, can't that. exactly. I can't read that. Exactly. can't read that. And same goes with like spacing and things like that, right? If there's too much information in one section, it's very hard um, for somebody to focus on one thing at a time. There's cognitive overload. That is generally, again, as a best practice, quote unquote, um, going to impede the user experience. But ultimately, you should always test these things and get to your point data to validate them as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Absolutely. So what I want to do is I want to jump ahead a little bit and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know get some of the best practices you recommend when it comes to landing pages, such as opt-in pages, registration pages, sales pages, and things like that. What are you currently seeing in the, in best practices right now that, generally speaking, cause these types of pages to have higher conversion rates?
2: Yeah, for sure. So when it comes to landing pages, I'll kind of go step by step, right? The the first section is always the, the hero section right at the very top of the website. Uh-huh. Um, and what we always tell prospects when we're doing website audits is that statistically, 60% of people never scroll past the hero section. On average, if your value proposition is not crystal clear, um, and you don't have those elements I talked about, like social proof above the fold. So that means on average, 60% of people may never see all of the content you have underneath that, all of the services you offer, your form, all of that information. So number one is making sure, again, value prop is clear, that three-pronged approach I talked about um, and answering the what's in it for me, uh, and then also balancing that with social proof above the fold. Just to give a concrete example of, um, you know, that value proposition. So if you look at toggle.com, like T-O-G-G-L.com, this Uh-oh. is probably the best example. Simple time tracking to save you time and make you money, right? That's their headline. Um, Sub is bill accurately, measure profitability, manage workloads, and spend less time on it all. Right. Yeah. So it's crystal clear. I know exactly what I can gain. Um, and they have a testimonial as soon as I land on the site. So that's the first principle of any high converting landing page is nailing that hero section.
1: Toggle. Now, as of this recording yeah. anyway, and it may be different if somebody is listening to this weeks or months from now, yeah. I'm getting a hero image that does have, or a hero area that does have that headline you described, time tracking that's easy, powerful, and frictionless, which I like. To the right-hand side, what I actually see is um, sort of like a manufactured screenshot of what the analytics dashboard of a toggle user looks like then underneath uh it says track time tracking software to boost performance and get paid for every billable minute an intuitive tool that makes time tracking painless for the entire team so i see that they're clearly optimizing for the phrase time tracking software that part i already figured out because i see time tracking and time tracking software and software mentioned three times between the headline and the sub Now, underneath, um, I see a pink button that says, start tracking for free. And then mm-hmm. to the right of it, a black button against the purple background that says, or explore toggle tracks. So right. I'm also picking up right away that their strategy is to get people hooked on it by letting them taste the free version, right. get integrated with it, and then they're not going to want to part with it when it comes time to pay up. And then yeah. right underneath that says trusted by over five million users across 120 countries. And mm-hmm. I see a list of some of their marquee clients.
2: Yeah, sorry. I think I just realized I was using the, the wrong <laughs> page example. It was toggle.com slash track. I was looking at one of their other uh landing pages. That's oh you're I looking at a use.
1: you're looking at a landing page. I was yeah. looking at the homepage. and homepage, like, yeah, yeah. Principles yeah,
2: are forward. the same though, right? Yeah, that's forward, the funny yes. thing
1: forward track is actually very simple and it's and it's substantially yeah. that same headline mm-hmm. um i see to the right which i believe on the mobile version may be on the bottom i see um an animation that shows what toggle looks like when you click it to begin tracking your time uh, a testimonial underneath as you said mm-hmm. and it gives people three ways to sign up for toggle track by uh, using their email and password, using their Google account, or using their Apple account. And again, underneath, trusted by over 5 million users over 100, across 120 countries, that yeah. same list of logos of their marquee clients. And then underneath, there is a sales letter. But the hero image is so tall that you actually have to scroll down to see that there's a sales letter there. So I wanted to ask you, what is... What, if anything, is the science behind that? Or is it just that they need to get so much in the hero image, it was just longer?
2: Yeah, well, I think the goal for them is ultimately getting signups, right? So you can see how they've optimized for that in the hero section where they have uh, the email and then the password. And they also have sign up with Google, sign up with Apple. Um, Again, they're just streamlining that whole process. Uh, another website would be segment, right. Um, for your audience, if you look at segment.com, just going to verify to make sure it's, uh, to invest that one up. Yeah. So if you look at, uh, segment.com, like they have your work email at the top, right. Yeah. And the cool thing is as soon as you type in your email, it opens up the rest of the form. So this is called progressive disclosure, right. Where you show son
1: son of a gun. Yeah. As soon as I start typing my email, my the name, phone number, and exactly. company name fields appeared. Uh, what, what is that called again?
2: Uh, progressive disclosure. So
1: Progressive disclosure. Okay.
2: Yeah. So it's the idea of showing simple information first and getting people hooked and then gradually showing them more information, right, as they go through the process. Because if you think from a friction perspective, just putting your email is way less uh-huh. friction than having to submit four form fields at once. Right. So these are all these, you know, small little things that make a huge difference um, when it comes to conversions. And you can see how they've done it here as well.
1: Right. Right. Okay. So, where does first of all, I need you to define something for me. And, and I think sure. as soon as you do define it, I'm going to say, duh. Uh, can you define what UX slash UI design means?
2: Yeah. So on a simple level, um, UX is user experience design, and that is typically referred to how something works. Yeah. UI is user interface design. That's referred to how something looks. Now, in our books at our company, we like to combine the two, and we often think that good UX is also good UI and vice versa. Good UI is also good UX. Because again, going back to that button example, Um, If someone can't read a button, the color contrast is low. That's not only bad UI, but that's also bad user experience as well for, for a prospect coming onto the website. Um, So good color design is good UX design. Good typography is good uh, UX design. That's, that's our view that they're intertwined together and it's not one or the other.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I I see, I see what you mean now. How does artificial intelligence play into all of this?
2: Yeah. So I'll give you uh an example. Um, so one of our clients basically they have a um, they have on their product page they used to have five different product bundles. So, you know, one pack, two pack, um, and so on, up until 10. And we saw recordings of users on the website either choose the lower priced options, so the one pack or the two pack, or they would exit the website. So uh, using our own judgment, and I'll also get into the AI part, we determined that this could be due to the paradox of choice, right? This idea where you give people too much choice, it equals no choice at all. So we experimented and ran an A-B test with, uh, instead of five bundle options, we put three bundle options. We saw a 56% bump in conversions and a 13.5% bump in the average order value. So not only are people ordering more, but they're ordering a higher value as well. And
1: Okay, so 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 yeah. let me just make sure I understand this before you go sure. further. You reduced it from five options to three options.
2: Correct. So we did okay. the one pack, three pack and five pack. Right. Yeah.
1: Okay, go on. I just oh. want to make sure I got that right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so one pack, three pack, five pack and then before was the 1, 2, three, five, and 10-pack, right? So five options to three. Um, and the tool that we use is called Figpi. That's F-I-G-P-I-I. Uh, and they have an AI portion of their tool, which will actually get you AI-driven insights automatically. Um, and then it's actually vetted by someone from their team as well. So using FigPy, using that insight we gathered from actually, you know, our experience in, uh, analyzing recordings and analyzing data, we were able to come up with that hypothesis and then execute the test.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, I've seen. I'm familiar with the idea of offering people three options, where, according to a lot of the theories out there, the middle option is actually the sweet spot and the thing the thing you're trying to sell. Now, one of the debates is is whether the op, you know the middle option should be like right in the middle between the basic option and the premium option, Mm -hmm. or if the middle option should be like three fourths of what the premium option is, but be priced at about half the premium option to make people feel like they're getting a really major deal. So just in your experience, what are, you know, what are some of the, uh, you know, some of the discoveries you've made in terms of, Uh, how you position those three offers and how you price them and how you make it so that one particular option is the actual attractive one.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, And this is actually the perfect example as well to touch on that. So Adam, we've tested it all. Like We put the three pack above uh, as the first option. We've also done descending pricing. So five, three, and then the one pack underneath it. We've tried different pricing options as well. Um, And all in all, some test of one, some test of also not one. Keep in mind when we're doing A B testing, right, we're doing um, 50% of traffic to one version, 50% to another. So it's very objective and we're running this for two to three weeks, uh, given our clients' traffic. Now, I think the biggest thing we've learned is more bigger picture than, you know, testing like different bundle options and different pricing. It was actually putting the bundle options further down on the page. So with our uh, client, their product is actually perceived as very expensive relative to other solutions in the market. And this is where the data part comes in, right? We actually interviewed customers. We asked them these questions. What do you notice on the page? And everyone got fixated on price. And so Uh we realized that in order to incentivize more conversions, we want to build more trust as soon as somebody lands. So, before you even see the price, you have to go through six to eight video reviews. You have to go through a carousel of all user-generated content um, of you know influencers using the product. You have to go through a couple paragraphs of you know benefit-driven copy, um, scannable icons, and then only once you get to the bottom, you'll actually see the price uh, towards that top experience. That's the idea of there's no best practices, right like if we had just oh. gone with the price at the top um you know it, it's every brand is different, every company is different uh every audience is different and so that was the most interesting piece of insight that we got from that
1: yeah that 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 is something right there so I want I want to repeat something you said. That sure. uh, what you discovered about best practices, there is no best practice.
2: Yeah, exactly. yeah that
1: that kind of that kind of uh, blows a hole in the whole funnel hacking thing. Uh, I, you know, not to keep going back to stories about fifteen years ago, but uh, a lot of you know a lot of the growth in my first business came from people who led their own masterminds who wanted to refer all of their members to my company. And, uh, what happened way too often is I would speak with some of these prospects and their vision for their website simply consisted of, well, make one just like my, just make one just like, you know, that person who ran a mastermind, make mine just like theirs. Just change the color and put my picture on it. Basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) okay. And I wasn't really interested in that work. Yeah. I, 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 maybe I should have been because I think I could have made a lot of money uh, on the principle of uh, what people will be inspired to pay for versus what they think they want or think they need. However, I knew that those projects would never work. Those yeah. websites would never truly really work because it took nothing into account with respect to the actual prospective client and what was going to mm-hmm. work for them. Uh, I also remember somebody who, had figured out pricing for their information product back when physical, you know, when physical fulfillment was a big thing, and they were actually basing the price on how many DVDs it had, not yeah. the content of them or even the names of them, just how many it had. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, <laughs> uh, now, what you might say is, again, the the only best practice is there is no best practice, and is it possible that that approach is actually valid?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a double-edged sword for sure, right? Like going back to the button example, like if you can't read a button or the color contrast is too low, then there's definitely some element of best practice there, right? Because, you know, you have accessibility, you have to meet certain guidelines, laws, whatever. There's going to be best practice there. But when it comes to like actual testing of ideas, specific ideas, like going back to the bundles, the three-pack above or the five-pack above, There is no best practice when it comes to that, right? Because every audience is different. But that insight that we gathered, which was move the product bundles lower down on the page, that hypothesis alone, we ran several tests based on just that hypothesis. And we got a 90% bump in conversions cumulative uh, across all of the different tests that we ran. Wow. So you can you can actually run so many tests just based off one piece of insight and one piece of um you know one hypothesis ultimately that can carry you a lot way
1: yeah that i mean what if to me that's one of the biggest takeaways that i'm getting from mm-hmm. my conversation with you it's not about what the correct answer is it's more about how you apply the tools and how you use your methodology to yeah. determine what the answer is without attempting to pick a winner in advance exactly so we've come a long way from my initial story about that client who believed that their entire business would be made or broken over a particular shade of blue
2: <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i
1: i hate to have to chuckle over that one and especially their whole idea that they actually went and paid another firm because they didn't believe what I demonstrated for them in a video and then had to add as a topper, they're going to teach you how to do website design and understand branding colors. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's like I understood the assignment from the beginning was it just simply get the, this use the correct hex code for sure. This was almost a day off for me. I, 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 (laughs) <laughs> why? Why would? Why, why would I fight that? That's stupid.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. And and Adam, to be honest, like we used to get um, customers like this too early on, and I think the clear, you know, the the big pivotal point for us is we're just very clear. Like this is our value prop, which is data driven design, um, basing everything based on actual data um, mm-hmm. and conversions as well, and being focused on that. And I think once we. You know, communicate that with prospects that if you just want a pretty website, you can probably get that done for cheaper than us um, and with another vendor, right? Being completely honest. Um, If you're looking for a website that actually generates revenue, is optimized for conversions, is based on data, then we would be a good fit. And so the clients trust us a lot more and all of those micro decisions, they still happen for sure, no doubt. (laughs) Um, But- you know, there's more trust in that whole process as well. Uh, and they let us, you know, focus on what they also care about as well. Because at the end of the day, business owners, the website is just, you know, uh, it's it's more than a website, right? It's ultimately fulfilling that business goal. Um, yeah. Once we drive that point home, I think it makes for a much better uh, collaboration. Yeah.
1: Right. So I can tell you a few things uh, about my business. My primary business is working with entrepreneurs to launch their podcasts, Right. And part of our package is we build out a dedicated website for the podcast. So it's right. not going to be the type of podcast you tell everybody, to go out iTunes and subscribe," which which is also which is incorrect to begin with, because the name of the platform is Apple Podcasts. iTunes is is the software you install on your machine. I I, I keep going on about that one. Uh, many reasons you should have a dedicated website. One of which is that you can attract sponsors and advertisers who want to pay for banner space without it conflicting with your business brand. That's just number one right there. It also gives you the opportunity to have conversations with direct competitors and people loyal to your direct competitors that would not be available to you if the podcast was lodged underneath your primary business brand. Now, beyond that, it gives you the opportunity to do search engine marketing and search engine optimization on your podcast in ways that people don't even consider when they have the launch your podcast conversation. One of which is we build them all in WordPress using, the, uh, using a particular theme. You have to work with me to find out what it is, but it's one of the most popular WordPress themes out there. And the reason we work with it is because of how robust its widgetization is. And the fact that it has very robust support behind it, because it's a theme produced by a real business, not a random developer, mm-hmm. it allows you to do things like uh, you know create author profiles, with, in other words, a profile for each one of your podcast guests, which themselves become spiderable. It allows you to assign different blog posts to different authors, so that if you have a regular featured columnist or a regular featured correspondent or guest you can set up an entire section of the website just for their episodes you can also do episodes by category by theme Uh, i could go on and on and on but the whole the method behind it is making the web making the podcast more navigable and making you uncancelable. because uh, say for example uh if Spotify just kicks you off for no reason and then refuses to communicate with you. Well, if you built your entire podcast on follow me on Spotify, your podcast has gone. You're back to square one. Uh, mm-hmm. However, uh, or, or maybe Spotify just goes out of business or gets bought out or like Stitcher recently did, just decides you're not going to offer the platform anymore. So, and I feel bad for those people that base their entire podcast on follow us on Stitcher. So, uh, and that was a kind of a a left hook. I didn't expect Stitcher to be one of the ones to get out of it. Wow. But anyway, uh, you have that dedicated platform and you send people to that so regardless of anything, you're still on 15 other networks, but people are trained to go to your website. That also makes it possible for you to include advertisements for your own products and services. That's what people miss. Mm -hmm. But uh, going back to your point, uh, if I have a prospect that says, uh, uh, you know, uh, well, but 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 we build our stuff completely custom. Well, it doesn't work. Can't do it. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, but why can't we use Elementor? Because I don't want to use Elementor. Because I have something better.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, there, there, there does come a point where you have to draw a line in the sand, I suppose. And I commend you for doing that. You're the type of firm that somebody needs to work with if they're interested in a highly data driven approach. And I think yeah. that's fantastic. Uh but as far as somebody who just wants the pretty website or just wants a website that's just like so and so's but just change the colors and put my picture on it. Yeah. Well how? I mean you can <laughs> go on Fiverr and you can find somebody that'll actually do nice work.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But no, but, for
1: sure. but, but see and and Candor, your solution's not for everybody because not a lot of entrepreneurs in my view think at this level of analytics mm-hmm. and data driven decisions and being willing to set aside if necessary aesthetics in favor of performance
2: for sure yeah so how, no.
1: so as a final question yeah how are we going to convert more of these people to the data approach
2: <laughs> yeah it's uh it's one i'm still trying to answer myself um it's always a you know, constant education thing, right? Like we've, we've. Uh, I like the word that you use, which is convert. And, um, you know, we're just having more and more conversations where people think they know what they want on the website. And, you know, they say, oh, I really mm-hmm. love this animation and this thing and that thing. And again, it just comes down for us, um, case studies, like showing, you know, where a client's business was when they started with us and where they were after. Mm-hmm. Um, it also depends on, you know, like there's nothing wrong with just wanting a pretty website too. If it's just informational, that's, you know, completely fine. Like if you're a nonprofit firm and you just need your website to, to educate prospects, um, you know, that's completely fine as well. But again, it doesn't always translate to like having to drive revenue. We just identify what's the main goal of your site. Is it to get purchases? Is it to get leads? Is it to educate? And then, how do we do that? Right. Um, that is the, the core question that we always try to solve. So, I know that didn't answer your question about converting, but <laughs> we're we're always trying day by day to to educate, um, and, and that's that's always what we've uh, we've done. And I think our website audit um, has really helped with that as well. When we do an audit of a. A client's site for free. We go through their site, walk through messaging, walk through design, walk through everything, and really try and educate them on these are your competitors that are also doing all of these things, or these are industry leaders that are also doing these things. That's why it's also important. Um, yeah.
1: All right. So fantastic. Now, as we uh, as we conclude here, what I want to do is I want to make sure that uh, I want to make sure that folks know where to locate you and to extend an invitation to visit your sites and check things out so your website of course is uh it's thrillxdesign.com and i'm going to spell that for folks it's thrill t-h-r-i-l-l with the letter x after it and then the word design thrillxdesign.com and this is basically a website about how you take the data-driven approach to websites. So people can go there, they can see some of your case studies. They can actually see some of the best practices. Although you said that the only the true best practices, there's no best practice. But some of the things you recommend yeah. for clients to do, you can see exemplified on your site, which I think is great. And I also wanted to make sure that for those who are interested, in the website audit that they can simply go to twirlxdesign.com and in the navigation, they're going to see a link to a website audit. Essentially what happens is you go there, you sign up for a free 30 minute uh, conversation uh, that is part of the free website review and strategy session. And that's where they can find out where some of their opportunities are for improving their CRO or conversion rate optimization. So with that, Arsh, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor, and believe me, an education.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Adam, for having me. had a great time. Thank you.
0: We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time.